During this cold and flu season, do you ever wonder about natural remedies? For example, does the flowering plant Echinacea have any benefit against the common cold or flu? Keep listening on to find out, only here on the People Scientist Podcast. to the People Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on neuroscience, physiology, and nutrition. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking, to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast, where every week I arm you with some scientific evidence so we can all lead the healthy lives we want to live. I have to apologize for today's episode as I am losing my voice a bit because I have been fighting the flu for the past couple of weeks, but there's no rest for me. I am still here to bring you some scientific evidence every week, even if I am under the weather. I will just sound, you know, a little bit more, I don't know, jazzy today. (laughs) Reminds me of that Friends episode where Phoebe gets sick and everyone loves her new singing voice because of the way she sounds. But anyway, for any new listeners to this podcast, let me briefly introduce myself to you. I am a scientist and I currently work out of Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. I conduct research on behavioral neuroscience. So essentially, I study how our brain contributes to our behavior and why we do certain things and why we have certain behaviors. In my past years, I've studied nutrition, kidney disease, obesity, and heart disease. But I made the transition to behavioral neuroscience because I learned that our behaviors and actions, such as whether or not we drink alcohol chronically, whether we smoke cigarettes, eat too much unhealthy food, our addictions, our motivations for exercise, etc. These behaviors are really the major determinants of our health today. It all comes down to our brain and our behavior. I started this platform about a year and a half ago, and this podcast almost a year ago, with the goal of sharing some scientific evidence on nutrition, our bodies, and our brain for anyone who is interested in listening. In almost a year's time, I have some very loyal listeners, and I'm very grateful to all of you for that. This podcast and platform is kind of like a hobby of mine, and I do it because I love it. I don't do it for the money. I think that's something important for you all to know, as I don't accept any sponsorship or funding for this podcast. This way, you will know that the information I share with you is not influenced by any sponsor. So how about we start off with the topic of today for episode 43. Because it is cold and flu season, and because unfortunately myself I'm fighting the flu, I decided to cover the topic of the plant echinacea and its effects on the common cold and flu. Because this is seems to be the most popular supplement that people talk about in regard to overcoming the cold or flu. 
So come along with me on this scientific rabbit hole and let's see what the scientific evidence says. So as we always do, let's start off with some core takeaways. Echinacea is a flower that is native to North America. And according to archaeological evidence, echinacea was used by indigenous people back in the 1600s for medical purposes. Today, echinacea is most commonly touted for its immune-boosting properties and ability to fight the common cold and flu. So is there any evidence to support this? Well, yes, some cell culture data does show that echinacea can prevent the replication and growth of the flu virus and can induce markers of the immune system. Clinical trials show that echinacea sometimes can reduce the onset and severity of a cold, but sometimes appears to have no benefit versus the placebo. Overall, when the trials are combined, the majority conclude that echinacea can prevent the onset of a cold by anywhere from 20 to 58%. The variability could be because the clinical trials do not standardize how they use echinacea. Hopefully, future data can shed some light on which part of the plant and how it is extracted is best. In this episode, I also provide my own input as to how echinacea may be used best. Now, let's get into those details. Echinacea is a type of flower that belongs to the daisy family and is indigenous to North America. So it is known to grow throughout Canada and the United States. Samples of echinacea have been found in archaeological sites from as early as the 1600s in the Sioux Plains. Archaeological evidence suggests that echinacea flowers were used for medical use by Native Americans. Today, the most common touted benefit and use of echinacea is to promote the immune system against the common cold and flu. So is there any scientific evidence to support this? Well, in several in vitro studies, meaning in cell culture, Adding extracts of echinacea can activate macrophages and the release of tumor necrosis factor, interleukin-1, interleukin-6, and interferon gamma. But you may be asking, what are these molecules and, and what does this mean for our immune system? Well, macrophages and these other interleukin molecules are important for the functioning of the immune system. They can induce actions of the immune system and can induce inflammation. For example, macrophages will tend to engulf or consume or eat uh, an invading pathogen. Often we think the word inflammation as bad in today's health and chronic disease. And that is because the reality is in today's society, we may have inflammation in our bodies that does not resolve. And when that inflammation lingers and does not resolve, That is when we have what we call chronic inflammation, and that could lead to health issues such as an increased risk of chronic disease, such as arthritis, diabetes, and heart disease, as inflammation is implicated in all of these. However, inflammation is an important way that our immune system functions. We do need some level of inflammation to fight off bacteria, viruses, and infections. However, when we are better and the infection has resolved, the inflammation should resolve too. And I go into detail on how 
Omega-3 fatty acids can help resolve inflammation in episode 10, if you are interested in hearing about how we can resolve inflammation. So during times of a viral or bacterial infection, we want these macrophages and interleukin molecules and inflammatory processes to be upregulated. And in cell culture anyway, it appears that echinacea extracts may be able to help upregulate this process. Pleshka in the Virology Journal in 2009 documented how echinacea had antiviral properties against the avian and swine H1N1 flu viruses. Now this particular study I found really interesting in regard to looking at the properties of echinacea. So these scientists tested a commercial standardized extract of echinacea called the trademarked echinophores. It is important to note that the experiments were not funded or affiliated with this company, Echinophores, so there would be no conflict of interest. In cell culture, they observed that if this echinacea extract came into direct contact with the flu viruses, then echinacea interfered with the receptor binding activity of the flu virus and therefore prevented the ability of the virus to enter the cell and prevented replication and spread of the flu virus. At the three highest concentrations of echinacea that the scientists looked at, the virus titer, or the number of flu viral particles, dropped to be less than 0.1% that of the control, which is really quite profound. So those three concentrations essentially prevented the flu virus from replicating altogether. The concentrations of echinacea that the scientists used were comparable to those taken by mouth in clinical trials. And the scientists even looked at lower doses compared to that, and they were still effective. Now, although this experiment has really interesting results, it begs the question, if echinacea needs to be in direct contact with the flu virus to be of benefit, can echinacea come into direct contact with the virus in our body if we take echinacea supplements? Now, we can begin to answer this question a little bit by a study conducted by Bauer in 1991 in the journal Economic and Medicinal Plant Research. They described how echinacea has many bioactive components, such as echinocosicides, caffeic acids, achilamides, polysaccharides, and glycoproteins. So this can begin to answer the mechanism of action. Of these components in echinacea, though, the achilamides or alchemides are suspected to contribute the most to the antiviral activity of echinacea. When they've isolated the components of echinacea, they've noted that there are six different alchemides that are isolated particularly from the roots of echinacea. So it might be the root of the plant that is most potent, not the flower petals. So then again, it begs the question, do these alchemide compounds or other components of echinacea, do they enter our circulation and are they bioactive and functional there when we take an echinacea supplement? Matthias in the journal Life Sciences in 2005 aimed to see if the components of echinacea were absorbed into the blood by humans. They noted that the caffeic acids were not detected in the blood after taking the supplement. However, the alchemides, which were thought to be the most bioactive compounds, were detected, in fact, within 20 minutes after taking the echinacea and the concentration reached its maximum point 
at 2.3 hours after taking the supplement. They did note that there was no difference in the ability to absorb the echinacea supplement, whether the humans took the echinacea fasted or if they took it with a high-fat breakfast. They recommended that clinical trials should ask participants to take echinacea three times per day in order to keep concentrations in the blood steady, as the concentration of echinacea will fall after about 2.3 hours of taking the supplement. In 2013, this study was replicated by Wolkart in the Journal of Clinical Pharmacology with even more specific methods of detection. They noted that alkamides were detected in the blood within 30 minutes of taking the supplement. Now, even though these trials are great and show that echinacea or compounds of echinacea are absorbed into the blood, the reality is the flu and cold virus does not escape the lung tissue, and these viruses do not enter the blood. However, inflammatory cytokines created by the immune system can circulate throughout the blood, but the viruses themselves will be in our nose, mouth, throat, and lungs, not our blood. And if echinacea needs to be in direct contact with the virus to be effective, as I mentioned in the previous study, then it makes more sense to, for example, make a lozenge or a nasal spray of echinacea, right? Then that way the echinacea is present where the virus will be, and echinacea could prevent the replication or survival of the virus. But maybe a nasal spray hasn't been created because perhaps echinacea is dangerous to inhale, or maybe the alchemides that are thought to be bioactive in echinacea could be made into a nasal spray instead. To my knowledge, no one has done this or looked into it. But a lot of the time, the reason why research hasn't gone further is because the money or funding just isn't there. But this makes logical sense to me, to study a lozenge or nasal spray instead of a capsule that you swallow, so that echinacea is waiting in the nose or the mouth, it's waiting there ready to fight the virus instead of circulating in our blood where it won't come into contact with the virus. I see that echinacea lozenges are available commercially for purchase. However, to my knowledge, based on my literature search, there have been no clinical trials to date to see if echinacea lozenges are effective in reducing a cold or flu. So if there are any entrepreneurs or investors or scientists listening out there, maybe this is a future direction for echinacea research. But nevertheless, in regard to the clinical trials of taking echinacea by mouth to reduce a cold or flu, the results are variable. Some trials do show a benefit, and some trials show no benefit above the placebo. The trials often look to see if taking echinacea during cold and flu season can prevent or reduce the severity of a cold or flu. So here is some of the clinical data on echinacea and colds and flus. A well-designed study by Yale and Liu in the journal Archives of Internal Medicine had recruited 128 subjects. Within 24 hours of developing a cold, the subjects were asked to take 100 milligrams of freeze-dried pressed juice from the aerial portion of the echinacea plant, meaning the portion that is above the ground, so the petals or the stems. Or the individuals were asked to take a lactose placebo three times daily until cold symptoms were relieved, 
or until the end of 14 days, whichever came first. The scientists noted no significant difference in cold length or severity with this echinacea intervention. So begs the question, why? Was it because it was the freeze-dried juice of the flower petals? Because as I had mentioned earlier, the alchemides, which are thought to be the bioactive component of echinacea, is found primarily in the roots of the plant, not the aerial portion of the plant. Perhaps the way they extracted the echinacea plant did not allow there to be bioactive components in it. Perhaps it's because the individuals only took echinacea once per day, whereas that one trial suggested that echinacea should be taken three times per day. Or maybe echinacea is just not effective in some people. It's hard to say why this trial resulted in non-significant results. Another great clinical trial was conducted by Barrett and colleagues in the journal Annals of Internal Medicine in 2010. Now, instead of using the aerial portion of the echinacea plant like the last clinical trial, they did indeed use the root of the plant, which we know is more rich in the bioactive alchemines. Barrett and colleagues had recruited 719 individuals and asked them at the onset of a new cold to either take a placebo or an echinacea pill. Now, the echinacea intervention this time was 10.2 grams of dried echinacea root for the first 24 hours. And then for the remaining four days, they asked the individuals to take half that, 5.1 grams of dried root. Now, in the echinacea group, they had noted that the length of the cold was on average half a day less than those in the placebo group. However, this did not reach statistical significance. They had also looked at other measures such as interleukin-8 and neutrophil counts, but they also did not reach statistical significance between the placebo and the echinacea group. So in the end, the scientists conclude that the cold duration and severity were not statistically different between the placebo and echinacea groups in regard to treating a cold. Sperber in the journal Clinical Infectious Diseases in 2004 actually did a study that I, I can't believe was ethically allowed, but they recruited 48 healthy adults and gave them an intranasal inoculation of a common cold virus rhinovirus 39. Seven days before this inoculation and seven days after, a placebo or echinacea extract was taken by mouth three times a day. Now, 92% of people in the echinacea group and 95% of those in the placebo group became infected with the virus. However, 58% of individuals in the echinacea group developed a cold and 82% of individuals in the placebo group developed a cold. Now to me, that seems clinically significant, that echinacea prevented the development of a cold by 24%. However, the scientists state that it was not statistically significant, as their statistical test led to a p-value of 0.1, which means that there was a trend toward a significant effect. But sometimes it becomes a question of clinical significance versus statistical significance. In my personal opinion, that reduction of 24% seems like a significant reduction in the echinacea group. Let's move on to some more studies. A meta-analysis published in The Lancet by Shaw in 2013 combined 14 clinical trials together and reported that echinacea supplements reduced the onset of a cold 
by 58%, meaning it prevented colds on average by 58%, and echinacea reduced the length of a cold by on average 1.4 days. Another meta-analysis was conducted by Karsch-Volk in 2014 in the journal Cochrane Database of Systematic Reviews. And they looked at the results of 24 double-blinded controlled clinical trials that included 4,631 people and investigated if echinacea could prevent or reduce the severity of the common cold. The scientists concluded that echinacea may have a preventative action in reducing the onset of a cold with a relative risk reduction of about 10 to 20 percent, so less than the previous report of 58 percent. Of the seven clinical trials looking to treat a current cold, only one trial showed benefit. So again, the results can be a bit variable. However, it does appear that there's a trend that echinacea might be able to prevent the onset of a cold. But why the variability in the trials? Some argue it could be because echinacea supplements can be so different, depending on how the echinacea was extracted, whether the flower petals or the root of the plant was being used, even the season it was harvested in or where it was harvested from, the dose of echinacea, how often echinacea was taken throughout the day, the timing of the intake, etc. This is partly why nutrition or natural medicine is harder to investigate. With drugs, they can control so much. You know, with a pharmaceutical, the chemical is synthesized in the lab and is the exact same in every trial. But with herbal remedies or nutrition, the species of the plant, the part of the plant used, when and where it was grown, how it was extracted, can all impact whether or not it works in humans in clinical trials. It is frustrating, and I know it all too well because I've conducted a lot of nutrition clinical trials, but I think one thing that can help in these scenarios is that once an active component of the plant has been recognized, such as the alchemides in echinacea, then finding the part of the plant that has the highest amount should be tested, and the amount of alchemides before every clinical trial should be tested as a quality control measure. So for example, let's say you need to have just an arbitrary number, let's say 10 milligrams of alchemides for it to be effective, then they need to make sure that their supplement or their extract has at least that before beginning the clinical trial. And if it doesn't, then it's not worth conducting the clinical trial. This, for example, would be very important for all future echinacea trials. And I would be very surprised if this wasn't conducted in any future echinacea clinical trials, because if anyone does their research on the previous echinacea trials, this would be necessary. So my conclusion is, based on the echinacea research, that echinacea may have benefit on reducing cold onset and severity. Why sometimes there is benefit and sometimes there isn't is hard to pinpoint, and the scientists also say it is hard to understand specifically why. But echinacea looks to be better at preventing a cold versus treating a cold. And that perhaps using the stem of the plant and taking it three times per day may be of more benefit versus the other interventions. However, the results beg the question, do we want to take an echinacea supplement every day if it induces and promotes macrophages and interleukin 
and interferon gamma production, as these do promote the inflammatory component of the immune system. So that is a debate. Some physicians argue that if you have a chronic condition, an autoimmune disease, or an inflammatory condition, that taking echinacea every day for a long period of time may worsen the inflammation. But no studies have directly studied this, so we can't say that for certain. Otherwise, are there any negative side effects noted in these clinical trials? Very rarely, there are a couple of reports of an allergic reaction to echinacea, such as a rash. However, no other serious side effects have been reported. Can echinacea interact with anything, such as medications? Some scientists caution taking echinacea with caffeine, such as coffee, chocolate, soda, green and black tea, as echinacea may prevent the breakdown and elimination of caffeine, and therefore could increase the effects of caffeine. So just keep that in mind. If you're taking echinacea and also taking in caffeine, if you happen to feel more jittery or anxious or an elevated heart rate or experience more typical side effects of caffeine, it could be the potential reason why. Also, make sure to ask your pharmacist if you are taking any medications to see if echinacea could interfere with any of your medication's metabolism. But overall, it looks like when we combine the studies together, it is possible that echinacea can reduce the onset of a cold by about 10 to 58%, depending on what study you look at. But I don't want to leave you with some confusing conclusions this cold and flu season. So very briefly, I will share one extra tidbit of information with all of you. A few good meta-analyses report that zinc lozenges may also reduce cold and flu severity if started within 24 hours of onset. For example, this was reported by Hamila in 2015 in the journal BMC Family Practice. Zinc is a mineral, and it has an important impact on the functioning of the immune system. And scientists suspect that the lozenges in the mouth can directly provide zinc in an area in which the virus would come into contact with which I think could be a good idea for echinacea, a lozenge. The details of zinc and the immune system is something I will go into more detail down the road when I finish my vitamin mini-series and then I start the mineral mini-series, so you can look forward to that. So that is a wrap, my people scientist army, on the effect of echinacea on the common cold and flu. In vitro studies appear promising, for the ability of echinacea to inhibit virus replication and to induce the immune system. However, some clinical trials show a benefit and some show no benefit versus placebo. In my opinion, as one study study had showed that echinacea required direct contact with the flu virus to have benefit, echinacea lozenges and maybe even nasal sprays may be a better alternative but no one has done the safety or benefit assessment of this in a clinical trial. Perhaps down the road, this research can happen. So that is it, my People Scientist Army. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or TikTok, where I share tidbits of information on the week's topic throughout the week. I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with the TikTok platform, because on there it lends itself to being a bit more casual, 
And so on there, I will post videos of me sharing some tidbits of information and fun facts, a little different from my other social media platforms. My usernames or handles to follow me will be in the description box below. I hope you all stay healthy this cold and flu season, and I wish you all a super healthy week. I will meet you back here the same time and the same place next week on the People Scientist Podcast. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates. Thank you.